Hey, welcome back to the Blue Collar Off-Road Podcast, episode 78. We got two guys here from uh, Built East, which if you're in New England and Massachusetts or Connecticut, you probably know these <laughs> know these guys pretty well. Um, Adam Lydeck and Josh Greenleaf, uh, both who are pretty big names in the you know the New England off-roading scene, I think personally. Um, Adam, I know you've had a few rigs. Josh, your rig is uh, pretty iconic as far as Cherokees go. Uh, so yeah. Oh, and yeah, we've got Luke's gonna be late. Cody's here now. Richie's here. Obviously, I just did the intro. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll. Man, you nailed this one. Actually, I'm kind of impressed with you. Really? <laughs> I thought I did horrible. But no, I guess but you, you made all the points. No, no, no. I made it a point this time to introduce the guest first, because otherwise we go like five minutes and they still don't have any idea who the fuck we're talking to. So we did that first. Perfect. Got that out of Perfect. the way. Gotta lead up to it. Well, you nailed my name once, so you don't have to do that again. <laughs> you know, it'd just be Adam. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I guess, where do you want to even start? Um, uh, probably, I don't know, what made you start uh, Built East? What What sort of got that all rolling? Way back when. Uh, hating my job. Fair. Okay. Yeah. So uh, why? But why the off-roading side of it? Um, I worked at a dealership and working on stuff was cool. And uh, I was doing side work, and then my side work got out of control, and then I was renting a space to do my side work, and then yeah, just got sick of my day job and uh, the 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 not good environment a dealership is and wanted to actually do things for people when they pay me instead of just rob them. So yeah, went full time here. It's a very good answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It evolved a little since just, uh, I'd work and well, hating my job. Before we just go straight into the business side of it, give us a little bit about your past with off-roading and like what made you get the love for the sport? And both Josh and you can answer that. I think like every other <clears throat> Cherokee owner, uh, you just you, you get an off-roading because you're partying in the woods. And uh, I don't know. I'm not smart. I like driving over things and through the woods. <laughs> and then uh <laughs> then i found other not smart friends that like that's driving the theme, their right it's the not smart station friends. wagons over rocks and <laughs> and uh yeah i mean i went through you know, when everyone else kind of went over to trailer rigs they evolved from you know license plate vehicles to trailer rigs i kind of slowly followed that a little bit and then quickly realized that even though all my friends are doing it uh that wasn't for me and it's still kind of funny because all my friends still do drive those <laughs> and i show up with my my family outing mobile but that's uh that's that got me to where where i'm at speaking of uh, that rig it was a cherokee that you back halved and then or kept it kind of full cherokee but chopped the roof off over a partial of the roof is it yeah yeah all those things yeah <laughs> all those <laughs> did, things did you know that our friend currently owns that vehicle uh i've heard that and i don't think so i'm really? pretty sure i'm pretty sure i watched it get crushed 
Uh, but I could be wrong. I've seen that picture a few times and it's hard to tell. It's really hard to tell. <laughs> so unless he bought it from a scrapyard, that's Cody, where I get... it might have been just one that they built. I don't know. So the Riggy's talking the... about it was monkey. I don't I don't that's know not what's... the same one. Yeah, I don't know. I've really? So this whole time I've spent in the past two years or a year and a half of him owning this, I thought it was that rig, so I was completely wrong. Apparently. Yeah, I, no people shit. keep sending me pictures pictures of that thing. It's very similar in like a lot of ways. Definitely not. But you can tell the way I cut my Jeep, I literally cut it in half. So the back half of my roof was sheet metal, and you can clearly tell he has a a regular Cherokee roof all the way to the back. No fucking way! Wow, I have yeah. definitely seen a picture of your rig, Adam. But I yeah, yeah it, it doesn't. Uh, that picture or that. Now that you say that, I don't see it at all. I think there's one yeah. picture I've seen of it on the highway. The whole back but, half. Yeah, know. mine, it still had half the back door. It was yep. silly. It's literally a one and a half door. It's so <laughs> stupid. Like yeah. You were driving yeah. this down the highway? Listen, it was very presentable. <laughs> all the lights worked. I kept it clean. You know, I didn't drive around with mud all over it and a monster sticker and a neon green diff cover. You know, I uh, kept it presentable. Well, that's just Always instant pullover from any monster stickers, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Snap-on sticker, monster stickers, you know, man heels, the whole thing. But anyways, uh, yeah, no, I, I drove that on the street. It drove pretty well, actually. I, dro I drove it to New Jersey one time, kind of on accident. I was meeting some BMX friends somewhere, and then they decided to go another hour and a half south. That somewhere went from Connecticut to New Jersey, and uh, yeah, I woke, woke up the next morning in New Jersey in my back half Cherokee and Hummer wheels. <laughs> but uh, yeah, then I put TSLs on, and then that that was over. Those weren't driving down the street. They work good Ooh. though. <laughs> they worked good on the road, or you mean off road? No, no, no. They work good off road. They were not good on the road. I have yet to actually see a pair of TSLs work decent. Well, I had them on the Hummer wheels, so you could take all the air out and just drive through the woods with flat tires. Basically a tank, you know? That's a good answer. Wow. Well, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think any tire would do good in that situation. Hmm. Not a Patagonia. Uh, I don't think a Patagonia would. That would not go over well, I don't think. I rock might not do so well either. Well, that's because uh, they would air down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I True. still don't get why so many like I get they work well out west, but aren't they just a shit tire in general, Patagonias? Hmm. But yeah, like tire like tire construction wise, it sucks. I mean the tread's not bad, I guess. Depending on downfalls. I mean yeah, depending on which they're fantastic when they're brand new, but then once you put like ten thousand miles on them, everything everything changes. Yeah. And they are not strong whatsoever. Hmm. Well, because like True. Luke had a set a brand new uh 40 inch pads and they sucked right out of the box yeah i had a set of the black labels and i don't know i tried to make them work i cut one of them from the tread right to the bead like the whole entire sidewall was torn Jeez. and uh i took one out in a race uh, they were just terrible like they get a little bit of mud in them that things wouldn't go anywhere but on the other yeah. hand he's got he's got a set of uh i don't know which ones are on your truck <laughs> 
on your what? pickup truck? Uh, the Milestar XDs or something. I don't. They're super cheap, and they've been on my truck forever. And they look Pretty beautiful. Cool. They're wearing so well. Yeah, they're like a knockoff Ridge Graveler. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I picked so, up a. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say you can't kill brands just for one tire, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. What? Yeah, that, I mean, actually, that goes the opposite direction too. I I run the Generals, uh, the X3s on my my Jeep. Love them, absolutely love them. But I got their ATs for my truck, and they're the fucking worst tires. I will never buy them again. Usually, I don't shit talk General just for the fact of I don't know, like little stigma that I'm some like General freak, which is true. But anyways, they are loud as fuck for no reason. They suck on the road and in the snow. Unless there's like six inches, don't even fucking bother. They're just sliding everywhere. It's horrible. Don't ever buy them. I think they need to redesign that tire. I think at first it was like a, a attempt at a redesign of the, you know, the BFG mm-hmm. to kind of improve it, but give you a cheaper option. And it and it was. It's cheaper. It's softer. It's quieter. But uh, it's still like the same design from 1982. You know, the same failing design. Might as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Compared to all the hybrid tires, like the Ridge Grappler and whatnot, they gotta they gotta redesign that one. Yeah. Um. You gonna? Do you want me to ask my question that I had ready to go? Oh sure, yeah, go for it. <laughs> so at the shop, I know that you guys were pushing out Falcon or Falcon, pardon me, uh, pretty hard. Are you guys still doing that? And why do you feel that they're the like not necessarily superior tire, but why do you feel that they're the best in the business right now? Um, I wouldn't say. Well, I mean, I guess it depends what you're asking or what you think the best in the business means, but I just, I've heard you say best in the business before. So that's why I specifically, (laughs) I, uh, I just started following them as more of a brand because they were supporting, you know, in the Northeast here, I have a lot of drifting friends. So you always saw Falcon around, um, with that. And then, ultimate adventure started going around and they sponsored ultimate adventure and that's how i figured out what i was like wow i didn't realize they made anything but drift car tires you know what i mean i, I was so close-minded to that but they also come to find out don't do mass marketing so why would i know that um so i started seeing them on that and then when i uh actually back <laughs> when we did truck fest i don't know if you guys know what that is no. but it was a truck event that we did and and i because of Ultimate Adventure, I, I tried to get them to sponsor it, but then whatever. They didn't at the time, but then I had them on my radar, and then I, I don't know, I started, I put a bunch of their tires on my own stuff, and then a few customers, and uh, I don't know, I was realizing that it was, um, especially working at the dealership, you, you mount and balance and drive a lot of different brands, so you know what a good tire is, and the quality of it was totally comparable to like Nitto and Toyo, but the price at the time it's higher now, but at the time it was like two thirds of the price of either of those brands, but the same quality. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of became a dealer for them. I sell other tire. I sell any, I'll sell anything besides a BFG alter (laughs) (laughs) or like Chinese Walmart tires, like tires that are going to cause us a headache in 10,000 miles. Uh, which is, like I said, any of those Chinese tires or a BFG all-terrain. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a good tire. But the, 
it's the right tire for a lot of people. It's not the right tire for some people. Um, when it comes to the mud terrain, which is probably more of what you guys are concerned with, uh, I, mean, I don't even remember what it's called. I think it's called like the Duraspec sidewall. Um, the plies go up the sidewall um, like 35% higher than any other tire in that class of tire. So Nitto, Toyo, all of them. Um, so basically like three quarters of the way up the sidewall, there's three more plies than any of those other tires. So the sidewall is like crazy on these things. The tread's not that unique. Like it doesn't look that cool. And it's not that much different than like some other brands. Yeah, it just looks like a look- Nitto. Honestly. Yeah, like it kind of... Like, more Yokohama to be really? honest with you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I mean, the, the, it's it's really quiet on the road. It's has fantastic road manners, and it's got that awesome sidewall. Um, so you know, maybe not for super hardcore stuff, but like we would love to have a set for racing. Hmm. I mean, the <laughs> sidewall is more important than anything, really. Yep. Uh, when it comes to Josh whipping his station wagon through the woods sideways. <laughs> um, do but they have uh, the, but uh, there's a lot of shortages going on right now, so we got Maxis traps on there. Yeah, those are actually <laughs> <For now>. mine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yep, yeah, those are the budget tires. Are, are, are those holding up? Yeah, they're all mounted. I got the two that were wrecked fixed. They took uh, one, that one tire that was like brand new that had a bunch of holes. That took five patches. Jesus Christ. And Man, the other man. one that had like two holes or whatever it took two patches so luckily i have a good friend that took care of him and he wanted to help out so that was his oh, yeah. his gift to the the racing team this year that's which sweet. was a pretty big gift yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was. now does but does falcon do uh like their small end program for racing teams kind of like how maxis does like we spoke to um a, a like a father and daughter group called crazy K's out and it's they're out West. They're, they're the ones that had the white Cherokee that rolled off the top of the Hill and then flattened. I don't know if you, I'm sure you guys. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You're talking about a KOH. No, this was before KOH. This was Uh. probably like six months before it was like, it went crazy over the internet and like the whole back half completely squished, but she was perfectly fine. Um, it like lifted the passenger tire and then just teeter tottered its way down the Hill. It was pretty exciting, but when we were speaking with them, she spoke about how Maxis offers a grassroots uh, opportunity for racing teams to run their um, their stickies at a pretty pretty affordable price. I didn't know if Falcon did something similar. Yeah, uh, they do normally, but uh, <laughs> uh, and you would be, you know, obviously, if you look at my shop, my Jeep, my social media, yeah, I. I push Falcon like crazy. And it's not because of money or anything like that. It is because of their support for motorsports. I mean, that's where they spend everything on. You don't see their name, you know, on cable TV or at the Super Bowl. Um, they just give it right back out into the motorsports world because. Yeah, that's a know, good that, point. I that's never what I tell that. Yeah, I, I could talk about it all day. <laughs> <laughs> I know everything about it. But um, yeah, they do. The problem is this year, there's such crazy shortages that uh you know and i spoke with them a a lot about it and as much as they want to bring us on um they literally don't even have tires to give us like physically they don't even have 
They don't have any tires to give teams that are already on. Yeah, there's we know pro drivers and everything that, and they're like, yeah, no, we still we don't have any tires. Like if you look at KOH, a lot of the uh, Nitto and Falcon teams had like random brand spare tires on because they put their best four on, and then they they didn't even have enough to have spares. Nitto's same thing. They're like nine months out. Like today, I priced out some thirty sevens for someone. They were they said told me nine months. Wait, that's actually terrifying. Holy shit. I did not realize the shortage was that bad. I like I knew that tires had gone up incredibly, but god damn, that's bad. Yeah, I mean that's why we got these trips. We literally couldn't even if we wanted to buy brand new thirty sevens, we couldn't get our hands on any. They were they're all gone. So um wow. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, what I would say uh if you logistically we're absolutely going to be on falcon's team uh when it's possible for them but uh even now i got a set of 37s for my jeep a few months ago and uh it took five months to get them from when my tire dealership ordered them up for me uh until they got them and they only had four and i still have four i I don't have i have a 35 inch spare (laughs) holy shit so now i did notice you said we do you want to kind of roll into what you mean by we with what with the the racing team you uh you mentioned now a few times that it's a we instead of like because i know that josh has been doing it for a while uh but now you're saying we is that including that now you are committed to his racing career on that or are you also doing something with it like you're on your own no 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 um i mean big part of him coming here was to make racing more part of his everyday life and not just uh you know after dinner till midnight um yeah we i don't know the jeep's out there right now <laughs> in the shop there's john yeah oh yeah then there's john <laughs> but um well so the short answer to that is no i'm just trying to support josh and his racing as much as you can and hoping he does it in the name of the shop a little bit and with the hope of all of us progressing forward with our careers because they're spiraling in different directions in a good way. So, um, you know, I want racing to be part of it for sure for a long time. Um, Is that in, in hopes of stopping doing the vans? <laughs> Hell no. no <laughs> like God, I got nervous. No, no. Stop. Stop that. Stop that. Of course, uh, me and Josh could just go racing for a living. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Screw working on anything. I don't need to do nothing. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, that's not how racing works. <laughs> so how did that? Uh, how did that happen? Because I do know that you started out more as like your general vehicle maintenance to then more off roading, but then also a lot of Cherokees, and now it's vans. How the fuck did that happen? Um. So. I so originally I mean I had a bunch of just normal customers uh like I said it was side work that got out of control um and then when I dedicated to going full time you know I was like I'm definitely not going to be normal mechanicing for the rest of my life I want to work on you know what I like um so you know I called it an off-road shop and at first there wasn't a lot of off-road stuff coming through it was just my side work and uh just over time I can't tell you I did it with intention, but uh, I've just had to stop doing normal work, and now we're just just an off-road shop, which is cool. Um, but anyways, uh, back 
in the day. I think the internet influences me a lot. Uh, <laughs> uh, before I even started the business, I um, I watched Dirt every day a lot with Fred Williams and Dave. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I watched it from the beginning uh, when it was on when it was just a YouTube show before you even sold it to motor trend but wow um you know he rob do you guys watch dirt every every dirt every day yeah graham so watches it pretty often i don't i catch it here and there i don't i don't pay for the subscription so i just watch it whenever they put it out on youtube do you know rob uh he worked for synergy uh manufacturing and then he built that right hand drive mail jk he painted it like a mail truck and it was right hand drive um well, anyways, in an episode of like 16 of Dirt Every Day, Fred goes to Rob's new shop. He quits Synergy Manufacturing as an engineer and uh, started a company, four-wheel drive swapping uh, Sprinter vans. And it, they made an episode about it. I was like, wow, that's, that's really cool. So whatever, that made a mark in my mind. And then when I started the shop, my it's kind of funny. My vision back then was to uh, start an off-road shop and try to get contracts with like Asplen tree service and get like their service trucks like in here for like the off-road aspect of them to get serviced or built or worked on. Um, that was my theory. So then when I was like, Oh, you know what? That Rob guy makes four wheel drive swaps for sprinter vans. I'm going to be a dealer for that. Plumbers are going to need four wheel drive sprinter vans. <laughs> that was literally my mindset. It had nothing to do with overlanding, had nothing to do with, jeeps i thought it was going to attract more commercial off-road accounts <laughs> <laughs> oh god was i wrong that is not the case, not the case. so now that would have been an insane contract to get though with like Aspen <laughs> yeah. to make their because obviously like their trucks go out there during the worst of the worst so if you can get them more off-road capable shit that'd be pretty good money to, to them to spend well, that was that's what I was thinking. Like, um, like around here, we have power lines that go through this area. So you see PAR trucks, P-A-R, and every single one of those trucks are dudes from out of state, and they just have tons of money, and they just got all the Texas bells and whistles. They got a big bumper hanging off the front with a winch, the wheels, the tires, and I was like, oh, I'm just gonna get, I'm just gonna get thirty of those guys that got that company credit card. <laughs> 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 and uh yeah i don't know i mean that would be a good like i thought i was gonna like service winches a lot like there's no one ar- around here that services winches like you know like a skid steer that clears power lines like has a huge hydraulic winch hanging off the back every tow truck that passes you has a winch on it and uh there's no one around here that rebuilds winches or services them you just break them and replace them hmm. so i thought that would be like something i would come up with that never happened i don't think i've ever rebuilt a winch <laughs> Maybe one of my own. Yeah. <laughs> I've tried fixing Josh's old one and I don't know, was that scrap metal now? <laughs> you know, I had one that's in the back of my truck. I'm like, huh, maybe I'll go send it to him. Then I heard that. Uh uh-uh. uh. Nah, nah. Well, it's silly. It's like. Uh, you just give it to Dave. By the, Dave yeah. knows the electrical stuff. By the time you. Like, time and money and materials is so crazy. By the time you would pay me to take your winch, your 8,000 pound super winch apart. See what's wrong with it, service it, order the parts, install them. It's probably going to cost you like hundreds of dollars more than the winch does to replace it. So. Yeah, I mean, at that point, right, you're putting a new motor on it or something on the gear side, it's all messed up. 
at least in the ones yeah. that are apart, right? I mean, like, there's not any, you can't fix, I mean, you can fix that motor, but you're almost better off getting a new one for reliability reasons. So, I mean, at that point, that's half the winch. Uh, uh, I don't know. I just bought a new super winch, and I bought it. My other one was fine, but I just wanted, it's the same one that I, uh, I've been putting on Sprinter vans, so I wanted it as, like, a showpiece, so people, I can just say, oh, look, you know, it's on my Jeep. Now, I've had it for since the first of the year, and I haven't used it yet, so I can't tell you if it works good, but it was only, like, $800, and it was a 10,000-pound, like, like, cool, like, molded aluminum. Yeah, it's pretty. You know, it's fun to look at. Yeah. <laughs> but, again, for $800, like, by the time you pay me to remove it, take it apart, order parts, like, come on, wasn't it going to be $600? You know, buy a new winch. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that was one of my failed ideas. I got a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> Why does the super winch look so much like the Harbor Freight uh, fancy dancy winch? Like the actual, same one. It almost <laughs> honestly, it almost looks like the same one. Like that kind of freaked me out for a second when I did the search really quick. It, I thought it was pulling up the picture of the. Uh, of it's the honestly, it, it's honestly probably most of the same parts, just like uh, Warren's um, Evo line. Now, yeah. you look at the pricing; it's like. Come on, man. There's no way. Sorry. That's all. That's all the same. You crack all those things open. I bet you they have this interchangeable parts. Yep. I mean, I guess it's it's roughly right around the same price. It's right around the nine hundred dollar price tag. Yep. And it, oh, yeah, you're right. It is looks in kind of looks almost exactly the same. Holy shit. Yeah, I'm sure they're all the same parts. Now you spoke about uh, inflation and like. Like things just going crazy because of COVID and whatnot. But did you notice that Amsoil hasn't changed their price in the past? Like all throughout this crazy. <laughs> oh shit? man, that's funny you say that. I did notice that because we just ordered shock oil for get Josh's shocks ready for the season. And um, yeah, there's a bunch of silly stuff that I order from them. Like um, like they they have the equivalent of SC one spray. It's called Mud Grappler or something. Or is it Smelly Cherry still? Oh, that smells so good, yeah. Oh, so good. But I'm, get me some. <laughs> I use it, you know, I use that, like, a, whatever, a new parts or all sorts of stuff, interior. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. We coated Josh a Jeep with it before we went to uh, that first Renegades. No, that was Renegades. Oh, no, that was Darkwater. Yeah, yeah. Did that end up helping? I forgot. Uh, A little bit. Yeah, you could tell like underneath and like the shocks and suspension and stuff. Yeah, it, when you wash I'm it like off, it's not as. Yup. Yeah, it's it's not like as stuck on there. I guess you could say. So I listened so, to a. I I went back and I listened to a bunch of the Built East podcasts, and let me tell you, when when you get Kirby on, they're hilarious. <laughs> All those episodes are hilarious. <laughs> yeah, me and Kirby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're special. We are special. <laughs> I can we, we can we can't be trusted together. That's for sure. I can still st- say to this day the episode where you two spoke on conspiracy theories was my absolute most favorite episode by far. <laughs> it was just chaos, but it was so fucking good. I loved it. Well, you know that's that's life, man. You gotta talk about the truth sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I, I was watching I some. Stuff. I, I, I was deep on the Vatican last night about the Holy Grail. Oh, is, it, is it actually up in Canada and Nova Scotia, or whatever that fucking History Channel show is on? 
I was more watching creepy documentaries about the people that had the uh, physical, like the uh, radiation poisoning and stuff that came in contact with it. That's very interesting. What? I've yet to hear about that. That sounds pretty wild. What? Yeah, of course. Of course. The guy that protects it is blind and everyone goes blind and they think it's because of some spell or some shit that's on it, but they're hanging out next to a fucking ancient nuclear weapon or reactor. Probably just a reactor. I think it's a reactor. <laughs> they used to power the they used to power the pyramids. Okay. And then okay. they jacked they jacked that shit and they put it in a gold box, you know, to try to contain it. But uh, you know, and then they jacked it and they're fucking bounced through the crusades and all that stuff and now it's hidden somewhere. But I think it's just a reactor that some fucking pirates stole, you know. <laughs> From the pyramids. Anyways. Anyway, back to Back to SC1 spray. Yeah, no, that stuff's great. Smells <laughs> <laughs> good too. Don't huff it though. <laughs> oh shit. Well, it sounds like you're talking from experience. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. So, anyways, back to the vans because the vans are really fucking cool and it. Isn't it true? Like they're they're kind of expensive, but can't you still get like normal RV loans on them for a stupid amount of years and pay like nothing a month for them because they're still considered an RV? Yeah, the um, I don't know if you were just on the Instagram recently, but there's a van that we did. It's called a Storyteller Beast mode, and it's got like the old Toyota graphic on it, so it's white with the orange and red stripe that go down the side, and uh, you can finance those for twenty years. That's insane. What the fuck? Yeah. yeah. It's a camper loan and they just, uh, you know, it's 220 grand, you know? Wait, the, so. the, the RV itself is this, this Mercedes <laughs> van is 200. And, holy fucking what? Some of them are, some of them are the cheaper ones are like 160, 170 right now. And then like that holy one has fuck. Yeah, that beast mode one has everything. Uh, has everything, so it's like two twenty, I think, after tax and everything like that. So, so how does it work though? Does someone buy the van and approach you about doing like a four wheel drive swap on it, or do you go about getting the van, doing the four wheel drive swap, and then trying to sell it? We're just an off road shop, and we install cool parts <laughs> on things. That's it. So people. Uh, yeah, people that want their suspension to be better. Um, they usually call around first, call people who make the suspensions, ask on forums. By the time people my phone rings, they they know my first name and three of my customers, and that's <laughs> that's why they're here. So um, you, you, okay. You pretty much took working on like the JKs to the max. Like you were like, you know, the guys with the JKs have the money, but there's these assholes with vans. Who have the real money? No, no, no. Is the money's in Tacomas. I've found. I've only done one. Uh, it, it. I don't know. In it, those guys will pay a lot of money for stuff that really isn't that hard to put on. Uh, I'm gonna say no, no. I was just a nerd that liked off-road stuff, and uh, I started selling a good company that was making good suspension, and um, they uh, they know that I know how suspension works, and they know Josh works here, and they know that. We have heads on our shoulders, so just about anybody, you know, um, on the East Coast, top to bottom, they tell them to come here. So that's really cool. cool. That's, that's really awesome. cool. Yeah, so that's that's what that's where a lot of it comes from. We got some customers very far away. 
and they're happy to drive that distance to make sure that you do the work on it. Well, that's the it's it's all like it's all this one. It's a big picture that comes together. Like if you have enough money to have that van, right? Well, you're probably a pr pretty diligent person that does their research. You know, you, you keep an eye on your money. You you know, you do your homework on things. And uh, so not only do they have the money, they do their research. They know, you know, all the forums say to get this van compass suspension. Well, they call van compass and go, hey, who's the best person to install this? This is where I live. Um, they know to do that. You know, poor people don't know how to do that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> they grab a welder and pretend like they can put it together. So, like, that's how they get to that point. And then the remainder of it is, well, they're van people. They're literally investing the value of a house to be able to go out on the road and drive wherever they want. So, like, between those two things, it's a no-brainer for them to be like, oh, that's where I should go? Great. Well, it's one of my van trips. And they drive here and... They either get a rental car or they go to the airport and fly back home. It's, you know, these people are, they've dedicated to like that style of life. So it's nothing, it's nothing for them to come here and get the work done that they, they're yeah, looking for, you know? I, I guess when you drive a van and live out of it, it's, you know, the distance isn't really the problem. That's oh, yeah. yeah. Up in the morning and there's customers sleeping in their van somehow. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. They'll sleep, they'll show up here on a Sunday night, cook dinner and sleep in their van and, by the time I'm done drinking my coffee and the lights are on, they're walking in the door yawning, handing me the keys. <laughs> That's really fucking cool. No wonder you guys are happy to stay like in that scene, regardless of the money, but just the fact of that a major company knows to tell these people to go to you. That's that's really fucking cool. I mean, that's saying something. Tell them about the wreck. Um that was kind of cool. <clears throat> oh yeah. Yeah, so there's this company in uh Florida. And um, the reason me and this company know each other, not only because we share customers, but um, I had purchased one of their roof racks that they make for spinner vans. It's the one in my logo, actually. You can see it. And that roof rack originally was only designed um, to have like a light bar in the front. And this customer that I was working for in particular wanted that kind of Baja pre-runner look. So he wanted five huge lights in the front. So I had to cut it up uh, and, you know, redesign it so around the lights and, and weld it back up and, and I did and then you know of course I shared a bunch of pictures of it and, and time went on and I made it my logo and that same company who made the, the rack originally um, oh, should I even explain that they stopped up here? Nah, we'll leave that out <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah there's just one day the owners drove up here to meet with me it was really anyways um <laughs> Um, so anyways, they, uh, they had a customer in New York, um, and he put the five Baja LP nines on the top, uh, without modifying it, just hung them up, you know, sticking way up in the air. But those things are like 15 pounds each. They're so much heavier than a light bar. And this dude is from Brooklyn, uh, New York with, with a big, long wheelbase van and, you know, the bad roads and everything over time, the the bracket actually broke off the roof rack and working with that company who made it in Florida, he's in Brooklyn, you know, the logistics of that warranty work was like a disaster. Um, so they called me up and they're like, you're the only one we trust to do this. Like, can you do it? And, and yeah, so this dude drove from Bro Brooklyn, New York and 
we pulled the roof rack up, Dave repaired it and, uh, yeah, happy customer. But that's, you know, that's, that's a fun. business all the way down in Florida that my, I was their only phone call there. They were like, no way that it's going to you. So how do you need to make it work? <laughs> that's so, really cool. Yeah, man, it's the internet's a beautiful place. I, I owe a lot of this business to the internet. Like, you know, a lot of smart people that have money and know what they want know to do their research so if, you know you're doing a good job putting your work out there and uh doing good work it uh comes back pretty easily which is nice it's really nice <laughs> speaking of the internet you mentioned in one of your podcasts a while back this is probably two years ago at this point you mentioned uh, doing a rally in massachusetts a going like like having certain i don't know if you wanted to do it as a poker run or however you were going to set it up but going to certain parks in the area within like a week or something of that matter have you thought about that any further because i thought that was the coolest fucking idea so he's got I, a lot of cool i got a lot ideas. of cool ideas man i'm filled <laughs> up to my eyeballs in them uh <laughs> that's one of them <laughs> uh so uh the answer is then you guys want a job or because <laughs> uh, I do not have a lot of spare time. Uh, I don't have enough spare time to feed the the idea machine in my head. Um, I'm sure Josh could tell you about. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was one of them. Um, I don't even remember talking about it, dude. That was a whole three episodes ago, man. What did you say, two years? <laughs> yeah, it literally yeah. was like <laughs> two years ago. <laughs> Quite literally. I think that was 2020, right after, right after K- the summer after KOH. Uh, so yeah, that was the summer of 2020. Oh yeah, I remember because we had to wear masks and stuff to even get gas. That was crazy. Um, Insane time. Anyways, so I mean, yeah, who was I talking to about? Like it was just an idea. I mean, me and John pre-ran it uh, from Hack Shack Racing. I honestly don't even know. I haven't listened to it recently. It was, I still remember because oh. I thought it was just that cool of an idea. And I do remember you. I think in that same episode, you were talking about how you should have aired down. Because your suspension wasn't yeah, so, taking yeah, it yeah, as yeah. well. So I talk, yeah, that I yeah. So I, I I talked about it after it then. Yeah, because that was a big mistake of the day. I'll tell you that much. No, dude, that's a really good idea, and I I am gonna do something like that eventually. I don't know if it'll be at that scale. I mean, because that was wild. Uh, uh, man, what did we do? We did. And that was also when Harris was around, so that kind of takes a uh, yeah out of it. Nope, nobody cares about that. Um, so, uh, we what do we do? So John, you guys know John Makowitz, right? No, no. Jesus Christ. Okay, well, all right. education time. Stop. Back up. Uh, remember, remember that. Uh, remember earlier when you were like, "Oh, what do you mean by we?" You know, with the racing. Yes. I guess we may have gone off on a tangent. Didn't finish that. Uh, so let me finish that. Let me give you Typical. a little bit of. Uh, perspective as who john is so um yeah racing uh that's who we went to king of the hammers with was john am i saying his last name right Mackowitz? Yeah, Mackowitz. yeah yeah hack shack racing okay he's got a tj um 4600 4600 class which is like a stock class yeah, but stock. you know whatever his axles are swapped and it's got a four liter anyway so that's who we went to koh with um and me and josh had already done renegades on the ridge and then josh did another race i think before that um and we were like i don't know we're friends with john 
and uh been friends with john for a while yeah we've been friends with john but um and he's been going out there for a while with this thing um and racing and we knew that and you know me and josh are racing crackheads so uh <laughs> when it came time for koh it was kind of like john's normal crew wasn't going with him to pit and you know help him race and again me and josh are crazy um so we just put it together and we were going with him <laughs> yeah, volunteered to ride shock yep. race car yep josh was co-driver um so we did that and that was like super fun and we work well together and we're all kind of equally psyched on it um you know not only josh has a jeep that he likes racing but i just love racing in general so uh <laughs> um you know and i was already working with falcon john had been sponsored with falcon prior um we're all you know i don't know i guess when you after koh even at home you know you're all jacked up for a few months after that convincing yourself you need a toter home and a race car <laughs> um but you know we all were hanging out more and talking and I think I probably was pretty pushy about it. Like, Hey, let's make this a regular thing and, and whatnot. And John had already had for a while aspirations of ramping it up because he'd been racing that class. And I don't know what, what a year and a half ago, two years ago, he started making moves towards he's building. He's he, we already went and bought it. Uh, a Miller chassis, Eric Miller's race car. Um, and uh yeah he bought a, a real unlimited car and we're building a real ultra four race car so wow. as time goes on yeah josh we're gonna keep josh racing and uh you know and that <laughs> i will be riding in the faster car. yeah well you know locally and stuff we're gonna try to go as many races as we can with josh's and in whatever class you might want to put that uh and whatever class it remains in his jeep but um in the meantime we're gonna help john put together that unlimited car and do some real ultra four racing josh is going to be his co-driver yeah that's really cool yeah that was a minor detail uh, we didn't finish that conversation <laughs> so so anyways that's john uh, <laughs> back to the scavenger hunt idea um so john really liked my idea i think everyone i've really talked to about it likes the idea um there's just a lot of logistics involved that i just i'm so busy running this place that i don't even have time to do something like that but so me and John pre-ran it. He's like, you know what? Let's I'm I was like, I'm gonna pre-run it. And he's like, I would love to do that with the race jeep. <laughs> you know, it's good for getting some seat time and and uh so you know, get some road miles and some trail miles. And uh so he met me at the shop one day. Uh it was like a Friday, it was like ninety-nine degrees out that day. And, and we started here in Granby. Um, but the first trail we wanted to do was up in, I don't even know where, near Old Florida Road, called Tunnel Road. It's a very mild trail, um, but, you know, anything fast is, is harder. So we did that, and then we went to Old Florida Road, and then we went down to Ma Bell, and then we did Harris Mountain um, nonstop. We didn't stop the air up or air down. Um go as fast as we could and it was like it wasn't as fast as we could we drove nice and slow in the street we kept an okay pace in the woods john could have just left me in the wind because his jeep actually has suspension in it but um i think we did it in like 
five hours or something like that where our intentions were to hit oh you know what we hit Ma Bell and then we hit Hearst Mountain and then we went back to the shop and that was like three in the afternoon we started at eight but we were gonna go we were gonna end it at 508 out in Charlton or wherever that is Charlemont Charlton um but it was three o'clock and we didn't feel like because that's another like hour from the shop Mm-hmm. Um, so that would add like four hours to it, but it, I thought it'd be cool to end it there because it's kind of a venue type deal. I don't know if you guys have been there yet. Um, we have not. I, I still might do it because uh, that day was so fun. Um, all those trails are so small. I mean, you guys know it's, they're so small, and it's like you spend your whole day just for two hours of a trail, and then it's over. Yep, kind of lame. Yep. Um. And that whole day was like having just a few vehicles and just going as fast as we can. And uh, I don't know if you guys can relate the, to this, but well-kept vehicles that didn't fall apart. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice. We just kept going and going and going, and there was never a single issue. And made for a really fun day. And I I don't know. I wanted to make it like an all-out race where I like took on sponsors and the winner gets a bunch of money. <laughs> but... Uh, even if we did it as like a trail ride day, like a fun trail ride day, I think that'd be really cool. So it's on my mind. Um, hopefully I get some time. I think the one point. the one benefit for having it to be like having the vehicles have to be street legal, I think helps a lot because a lot of times I've noticed that street drivable, not necessarily street legal, but street drivable rigs tend to be more uh, reliable, I guess would be the best answer. Because it seems that a lot of the guys who just neglect their rigs then just throw them on a trailer and then go out into the woods always have the dead battery or then they throw a belt. Speaking of the devil, um, stuff of what that. Throwing <laughs> <laughs> belt. Anyways, so <laughs> we're talking about unreliable rigs, and you know, you popped it. It was kind of crazy. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, that fits. <laughs> oh shit! Here he is. Look at that. Uh, yeah, no, man, I, I agree. I agree. Um, unfortunately, uh, I think, I think that race would probably start with my friend base. I'm friends with a lot of psychos that'll Mm -hmm. drive things on the road that they probably should not. So I don't know how that's good on paper. I don't know how accurate it would end up being. Like if I made it a super public thing, I'm sure a bunch of people with Land Rovers and stuff would be like, Oh, it's a, it's the camel run. Uh, but (laughs) Um, no, I think it would be more like people like Josh, like putting a license plate on something that absolutely doesn't need, it should have license plates and doing it anyways. And all of us going to jail kind of cannonball style, you know, I still have a title for my Jeep. Yeah. See, exactly. Like old foot road, Josh's Jeep could probably do it in like probably like 30, 40 minutes, like the whole trail, but it probably even faster than that. I, I can't even, I couldn't even put a number on it. I still want to go to my bell one day and go up and down. Oh, dude, it's embarrassing. Even John in his race DJ, which is still coils with shocks, stock wheel wells, uh, 35s, he, which were a very similar setup, like Jeep-wise. When we went there, it took me like, I think it was like 13 minutes to get to the top, and John was out of his Jeep drinking water, relaxing. Like, he was just <laughs> up there waiting for me. He must have got up there in half the time. So I'm sure Josh's Jeep will get up there in like four minutes flat. Oh, I believe it. I mean, there was one time yeah. Luke and I went to Ma Bell and I mean, this is on a total different scale because his aren't even as capable as uh, John's rig. But we 
went there there was a group that was on trail they were off on like the bypasses whatnot him and i just kind of went up the center and we were at the top watching them come up certain obstacles just like all right guys come on hurry up so i can only imagine what they fully built rig how how much different that would have been yeah, yeah for sure managed, we managed to run that we went back down hit the obstacles by loading dock and passed through them twice yeah, I, we talk about that a lot here, you know, because, you know, obviously it's in the nature of the room. Oh, man, I want to go wheeling. You know, we talk about it. It's like, ah, Ma Bell. Like, we're at a point now where, like, Ma Bell is like a once a year thing, like twice a year. And it's really only fun if you have, like, 10, 15 people there, maybe some idiot Cherokee kids that you don't know that's, like, kind of, ah, watch the animals, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> everyone stops at every ledge and watches you know yells at each other and tries to make them grow up you know that's so that's a fun day at my bell if you just go like we went um in the fall on a friday we were supposed to go somewhere and it got canceled so i was like all right guys we're get the race car oh we were supposed to go get the chassis yeah and uh whatever got canceled so we were like all right well I was like, all right, I'll, I'll meet you guys in east hampton we're going to breakfast and we're going to my bell instead of working on friday <laughs> and uh and uh we do we, we like we ate breakfast we did my bell all three of our jeeps yeah came back down and it, it wasn't even lunchtime wow. <laughs> <laughs> there was still frost on everything the sun was still like coming up it was like oh this is kind of boring with a couple of people um i think that our record to the top is 12 minutes for ryan and myself just going up there on a test and tune run oh yeah yeah if for sure just, it's just trying to speed yeah. up you can get up in like less than 10 minutes if you really wanted to if you were trying to right yeah and, with, and that was something hitting... like josh's rig you could just uh, and, oh and josh's with, rig. with with the right experience too you can just cruise up that like it's nothing especially if you like it's ma bell everybody's done it a million times like it changes slightly but all the obstacles are roughly the same it's it's the same old. I would put uh, it's money. A, it, oh, sorry. I was just gonna say it, it's a playground. It's a different. It's not a trail yeah. at all. It's not. It's a. It's a playground with a bunch of features that have uh, a weaving mellow road between them. So people with stock vehicles can come watch the the circus animals do flips on rocks. <laughs> That's yeah. exactly what I was gonna point out. Is that I I. I don't know. I've done my bell so many times now that it's not as much fun for me. But for teaching new people how to wheel and to get them out there, it's almost the perfect trail for it. We're like, yeah, you could go to battlegrounds and there's a trail for them. But the blacks are so far on the opposite side of the property that they don't get to, or even the reds, they don't get to see that and understand the furthest extent of wheeling. Where at least at Ma Bell, they can go through, as you said, the weaving road and then look right to their left and see somebody trying to go up the loading dock and they're they're pointed pretty much at eleven o'clock or one o'clock, which is sick yeah yeah it's an interesting place and it's funny that it's our only place yeah 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 uh, <laughs> the clubs are definitely good for expanding that um then like it kind of does suck if you're not in a club up there because you don't have like the aops the chocos and all that stuff local you kind of have like wheel shut up Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, uh, believe it or not, uh, have never been part of a club. Still not. Really? 
Yeah, sucks. There's a lot well, of cool things I can't do. That's going to change this year. That's going to change this year, maybe, kind of. I was going to say, why wouldn't you? I mean, it seems that you have a few friends in uh, in Rockaholics. It's, yeah, just get absorbed well, what, 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 that, right? Just, what would a club stop you from doing that you, like, I've only seen clubs excel people's, like, love for wheeling, so I'm kind of surprised by that. Uh, well, that's the thing. I'm friends with everyone in all the clubs, so I just weasel my way into the events that I want to go to. Yeah, um, I was gonna say then... that's that's usually how it goes. You, you're... Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and I, I've never had a real, aside from not being allowed to go to fall crawl or any club only things. Well, that's really it. Um, but like, I've never been the Badlands. I've never been the Crazy Eights, and I really want to go. But like, it's kind of those don't really have big public events that often, so I can't. Go. Could have went to Wheeling for Warriors last year at Badlands. Could have went. Could have. I was doing something. I don't know. You were working. Busy. You know, it's nah. crazy. It's almost like I Josh went and I was busy. <laughs> I don't know. Probably had a birthday or something. Who knows? Well, what were you doing? I was doing something. Otherwise, obviously, yeah, I would have been June. there. End of June? Yeah, that's my yeah. man's birthday. So, yeah. I think it was his birthday. Probably home partying. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. What were we talking about? We're talking about why you wouldn't have joined a club. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's just it's something I've never had to do. And uh, mm-hmm. with someone with zero spare time or brain capacity, if I don't, ha- it's not on the have to do list. It doesn't get done, uh, unfortunately. But I am gonna join Rockaholics hopefully. In around the, I'm going to Wheeling for Warriors, so I'm gonna, you know, shake babies and kiss hands and <laughs> see if I can weasel my way into their club. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I went to whatever. I went to their club day I, that they rented out Field and Forest, right? That was just the club weekend. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was, it was awesome. Bunch of cool people, nice and quiet at night, stay in their own corners, unless you don't want to. Except for <laughs> it's my, Rob. My, it's Mike. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Rob. I don't know, Rob. Uh, I'm not going to Levi, last obviously. Name. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> or Levi, have a, or whatever his name someone, is, may have a tattoo or one or two of them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just getting yeah. love, Rob. Just to clarify, but <laughs> great guy. Nope, I don't know him at all. I don't know him at all. Um, but I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense too. And with owning the business, if you aren't planning three months out, then it's probably not going to happen unless it's super, super sporadic. So it kind of makes sense that a club wouldn't necessarily be the best thing because they, unless you, unless it's Rockaholics, who is like what every weekend there's an event ready for people to go to. So, yeah, it. yeah. Well, that, well, that's the thing too. Yeah, if it's a club with the most events going on, like if I do have some spare time, I can just go. All right, where where are people going to be this weekend? Which is kind of cool. Uh, and then, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be awesome. So. I'm coming in an hour late, basically, but uh, have we talked about how Josh got in uh, with Built for the East yet, or... No, we actually have not. Because I kind of want to hear that. Well, been... we kind of touched we, on yeah, it a little on bit. It. Is there any more that we haven't added, or that you guys haven't added, pardon me? That you want to add? Mm-hmm. Well, let's do this. <laughs> with Josh being there, how much has he excelled your business? There we go. Uh, Throw right um, into the mix. Make you talk about it. (laughs) I would probably say eighty to one hundred and twenty percent increase. Wow! So more than double. What do you feel that he brings that you guys didn't have before? A clone of me. Great. Uh, (laughs) Just uh, I don't. You can literally. 
So in the world of working on things for a living, uh, having like when you have a standard for how you like need to do things and like like quality wise and functionality and like but also still like keeping in mind the customer and like what's best for them like that's actually really rare like to be on the same page as somebody with all of those things and me and josh are just like like 99.9 percent of the time on the same page about everything so like if he's doing something i don't even have to ask questions like just let me know how it how it got done in the end like it doesn't matter uh because we're on the same page so if there's a problem uh aside from like asking each other opinions as far as like what's the right thing to do and like how to get this done the right way and what's best for us what's best for the customer we're 100 percent on the same page with like everything um that sounds hard to believe but uh we are and yeah makes things very easy (laughs) that's oh sorry no i was just gonna throw in i mean i i can't understand that to a full extent because i've never owned a business but i was a manager of four guys working on my last job and just getting them to do one thing that was in the same mindset as me was so not difficult but it was like pulling teeth so being able to have that guy that can just do it and know that it's going to be done to what you would expect as well i i can't even imagine the bliss that must come from that that's fucking awesome yeah and and it's uh i mean you know there's some structure to it like you know, if there's a problem with a suspension or you're like designing something to work a certain way, well, I mean, there's only a few paths to get to it working what you would say is the right way, you know? So if both our mindsets are, well, what's the right way to get this to work correctly? Like, we're probably going to have the same opinion because that's what makes it work the right way. You know what I mean? So, I mean, part of it's just being educated and having a brain and knowing how things work. Um, but yeah, as far as like bliss, yeah, I mean, you know, if you just hand somebody, uh, do it yourself for link and say, put that axle in that vehicle with these coilovers and not have to worry about anything and not have to worry about a single question being asked or how it's getting done. Like I could literally just walk the customer out there and point and say, yeah, there you go. Look great. And be proud of it and not even like have to have part of it. Cause I know it got done right. Which is, yeah, it's a dream come true. Fucking huge, because the last major project I did was building a four-link, and I sat down and did all the numbers and stuff, and that took me, like, a couple of weeks to figure out what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. So having that innately is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, <clears throat> it's nice. Uh <laughs> It's too good to be true, for sure. Uh, we're lucky to get to work on the things that we get to work on and make a living. Uh, pretty awesome. Now, has that changed the direction that you're taking the shop? Uh, you mean Josh coming on with what he has? Yeah, because I've been seeing a lot of... Um, like, I follow your page and whatnot. I've seen a lot of cool stuff coming out where you're doing pages and stuff that i've seen you adam do but it's much there's a much higher turnaround rate on it and i didn't know if that was a direction that you guys were looking to continue going or if you're going to keep going with the van stuff well the way you worded that is definitely not what i want high turnaround is not i don't like i don't like having a deadline 
it really is not fun when you're building things and you're trying to do things the right way. Uh, having a deadline is not cool. But anyways, uh, the answer is yeah. like, uh, no, I know, I know, I know, I know. I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's fair. Um, I totally get that too. Because all these people, you know, off-road stuff is one thing, but like van people that don't know what building stuff is, a lot of them do not understand timelines. Like you cannot put, you can like on custom building something, whether it's wiring or fabrication, you cannot put a deadline on that because you're going to sacrifice. Like sometimes you got to redo wiring three times because you're halfway through it and you're like, nope, logistic wise, this doesn't make sense. Uh, we got to redo this. Um, and if you put a deadline on something, it ruins all of that. Um, anyways, end rant. So yeah, back to Josh growing the business. Um, <laughs> um, you know, a big change was, you know, when Josh came here, uh, I really didn't like projects, like big projects, um, because I was doing that day-to-day stuff, you know, just lift kits, suspension, bumpers, blah, 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 blah. And projects require, like, your full attention, like like a roll cage project, you know? You can't just, like, oh, I'm changing this part. Oh, the phone's ringing. I'm out of here. Or, oh, I'm changing this part. Oh, you know, I'm going to do a little bit of that job. No, you have to, like, start the day. Start that fabrication project. Get your mind in, in, you know, in line with what you're doing. You have to stay there. Um, so, like, big projects never worked out for me until Josh came along. Um, and, like I said, I could take care of all the other stuff and just say, hey, this is what you're doing today. All day. Just this. You're doing this. Um, and uh, that made a big difference. So, we're, we're able to do bigger projects. I'm sure you guys saw Ben's uh, Cherokee. Um, that gold... Uh, TJ, we did for Josh. Um, the customer's name is Josh, which was a full Genrite build front to back. Like I, I would have never been able to, uh, to do those things while running the rest of the business. That's like impossible. Um, so yeah, I mean that that changed that changed everything for sure. I mean, he could tell you we're busy up to our busier than we can handle now already. Sure. <laughs> They're two totally uh, different ends of the spectrum. Yeah, two different two different industries, but uh, you know, half the van and overlanding and Toyota people come here because they see that stuff. They see us doing, you know, stupid stuff in the woods with our Jeeps and being like, "Well, you know, their engineering is good enough for that. Good enough for my Toyota." <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it, it's 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 all working together for sure, even though it's different. You know, and that brings up an interesting point. What's um. What was one of the most interesting things you found doing more of the overlanding stuff? Uh, because all I know is rock crawling, and my camping trip is at best level of preparation packing a cooler, at worst level of preparation uh, sleeping in the Jeep in my sweatshirt. So, um, I think it's a lot of like, uh, like Boy Scouty people that like got Toyotas and rooftop tents and all of a sudden it was heavy. So they took to the forums and found out they need suspension. And then, you know, they're calling us and we're putting suspension in it. But the thing is, is like we have a select like crew of customers. A crew is a bad word. They don't fucking know each other. Uh, a select group of customers that actually go out and go like a real overlanding, like out into Canada, you know, all the main woods all summer long. And it's these people, like I said, that were like, 
riding mountain bikes their whole life and, and whatever hiking and then they got this vehicle they have no idea like the hell they're putting their vehicles through um sometimes they come in here and they're just like totally oblivious that their vehicle is like completely trashed because it's 1500 pounds over its stock weight and they did you know 1500 miles of dirt roads <laughs> in the main woods in a week and then like daily drove it for two months after that and then they call me because they have a squeaky noise you know and they're surprised so like that's that's been kind of crazy funny. yeah that's been crazy they're, and the, those people do a lot of research like most of the time they're sold on what they want before they even call me so it's like that's the conversation starts with hey can you get me this suspension and you know a lot of times i have i do a lot of not selling I, you know, they'll call me with some bizarre request. I'm like, hold on, what are you doing with your truck? You know, you don't need that. You don't need full Fox coilovers, you know, with the Fox performance clickers and reservoirs just because you drive this to work and you don't like the potholes, you know? Well, you never know. You might have to t dial that in for the potholes depending on the season, right? Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't hurt. <laughs> Those potholes are fucking gnarly. No, that makes sense. Def people definitely especially if they've got a bunch of money, will overbuy stuff that they just don't need. So uh, that's oh, yeah. and it, as a, you know, as a company it's, too. Yeah, it's cool. And, the, and a lot of the oblivious ones that like literally have no clue, it, like I said, they'll call me with that big list and I'll be like, do you really need this and that? And like, you know, you only wanted to go with this suspension. If you don't buy these things, we can buy you a nice suspension, you know? And instead of all this stupid skid plates and stuff, why don't you get a winch first, then get the skid plates. You know, because chances are you're going to get stuck in snow before you go bottoming this thing out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but yeah, that's how a lot of my conversations go. And it's really bizarre sometimes uh, what people get from the internet and think they need and they have money to back it up. Like they can, they can really get themselves in a, in a corner with a vehicle they don't need for sure. It's kind yeah. of crazy to, uh, sorry, Graham. Go ahead. No, I, I was gonna. I was just gonna say it. It's super easy, especially if they've got something uh, comfortable that they like driving to overbuild it to the point where it's no longer what they expected, and then they don't like it, right? I've seen, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got one in particular. I regret ever answering that phone. Mm. Uh, he got he got a suspension that the internet told him he needed, and uh, it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare following because you know just. If it's the best thing for off-road, chances are it squeaks and pops and clunks on yep. the street. That's, uh, you know, that's if you get in Josh's Jeep and drive down the street, you're going to be really worried. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was an argument that I, not an argument, that was a discussion I just had with somebody on whether or not they should do Himes or keep going with like Johnny joints or like a rubber bushing. And I couldn't find the best words to explain why like obviously uh any company goes with rubber bushings or why johnny joints are even a thing and that was that's like the perfect answer and now i can text them back and give them that answer of it's just like you have to understand now what each noise makes because of its region and not just a pop it like pop it in gear just go so that's you a good can point. you just have to ignore all the noises and a lot of people yeah but don't then... know what they're doing or didn't put it together or gonna hear those and be like what the fuck is wrong with my truck Right. But then like Buckley gets in my Jeep and hears like the cross member creak once or twice or the upper control arm smack the floor 
He's just like freaking out, like, holy shit, this thing's gonna break in half. And I'm like, nah, dude, it's all good. Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. Oh, yes, and- my bump stop. <laughs> 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 the bump stops are, they're there. They just, uh, they, no, were, yeah, they were not measured. No. They were, they were like $20 polys, okay? The fuck do I care? <laughs> I didn't even cap uh, off the actual stock bump stop. It's just gonna hole punch listen, it at some point. I'm not worried. It's saving a metal in fabrication time. It's just self clearancing the floor, and then it'll be okay. perfectly fit. At at the right. time, it was I, it was impossible to find um, a track bar dom for my shitbox. Okay, so I didn't even bother trying to find anything else. Track, it was just what I had was a going. Track bar dom? You mean? Okay, no dom for the. Tra- I don't yeah. fucking know. I didn't measure it out my asshole. All right, I whatever I had. It's been like a year and a half. I forget Back exactly what pegging the... references. Got <laughs> 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 a micrometer in there? No. <laughs> <laughs> I use the outside, but I measure from the inside just to make myself feel better, too. <laughs> but no, but when I was trying to find the dom for my track bar, sorry, I didn't use the best grammar. My apologies, uh, Graham. Uh, it was fucking impossible. I had to buy it from a buddy of mine. Then afterwards, Chris was like, oh, shit, I had a bunch of that. You should have just asked me. Well, put it up on Facebook. But anyways, um, God, I felt like I felt like Adam there. I was just going on and on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's me. Mm-hmm. I did this we appreciate thing, but... it. <laughs> But yeah, that, it's crazy just the quote-unquote normie getting into a, a rig that's designed for off-road-ish things as if, like, when I'm referring to myself, and it's different. It's totally different. Yeah, and, I, and I've learned that lesson over time. Trust me, dude. In the beginning, I sold things to people that I wish I had talked them out of, you know, because further down the road, they're like, man, I, I don't know. My, my Icon coilovers are... They're getting corrosion on the adjusters. Well, you live in New England, man. Like now, I won't sell metal body tracks to people here. Like it's Fox or or anything lower than that. Like King and Icon and those. Even the Dobinsons one. We had a Dobinsons one the other day that has a really nice coating on it. It was trash. It was only a year old. Wow. Um. Yeah, it had powder coat on it. It's a beautiful product, but like. You know, there, there's a lot of stuff that even if you're daily driving in the Northeast, you just shouldn't even have it. Even if it works good, like it's not worth having because it's going to get trapped. The JL Clay Bar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rock, it's all corroded. Yeah, we, we installed an anti rock bar on a a customer that wanted, uh, <laughs> they wanted sway bar disconnects, but this customer in particular is very sensitive to noises. <laughs> Uh, it's in here quite a bit just for very small clunking and, and rattling noises, which is fine. Have they you know? tried turning up the radio by chance? Yeah, well, the, you know, it's if I had a nice JL that was built and I daily drove it, I would hear the same noises. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I'm not complaining. I, I'm just saying it's this customer no, no, is very sensitive to the noises. So they wanted disconnects, and I said no, because the disconnects will, like, travel back and forth on the pins a little, like when you pull in and out of your driveway, and they'll go, you know, they make a little bit of noise. Um, and this person doesn't go off-roading that much, you know, um, for the most part, they're driving on the streets, a daily driver, but it's on 37s. So I said, all right, well, if you think you need disconnects, but you drive it on the road and you need to handle well, why don't you put an anti-rock bar in there? Like it's the best thing money can buy. Let's do it. Um, and we did it. And after two months, maybe not even of, you know, daily driving it in the winter, the, the, uh, the links, the rod ends on the links were just they looked like they were three years old. They're trashed from salt. Wow. Um, and they were like that. I thought they were like that zinc coated grade eight gold, you know, color. 
Oh, like I think that I'm looking at that picture on your Instagram now. Yeah, they were gold initially. Yeah, it was. I was like, oh, that's just like normal, whatever, like grade eight coating. Like it'll last. It's fine. No, that was straight up raw metal. <laughs> oh, so lesson learned: we need to paint. We need to paint those links from now on. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, but um, yeah, I don't know what the point w- was that we were getting at, but yeah, the, the the daily driving of modified vehicles is uh becoming quite the education that I have to give people uh because it is quite an education. Yeah, and... I mean you got to you got to take it's not a stock vehicle anymore. You can't just go 8000 miles between looking at it like you have to pay attention. You know, if there's a noise, you need to like look at it immediately. You know, you have to yeah. if things are greasable, you need to actually be greasing them. Um and you know, every 3 oh, wow. 4 years, you know, trail arm bushings, things like that, you need to keep an eye on things like stuff starts wearing out. It's not stock anymore. Just blast it with WD. It'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, film, yeah, you're talking, you're, you're talking about maintenance, man. People don't, normal people don't do that. <laughs> some people have never heard of it. What are you talking about? And some people think that because they buy a $5,000 suspension, it just goes in. And it's like, <laughs> it's like the, it's like the $5,000 upgrade at the dealership on your stock vehicle. And now it's just better. But no, you, you. You bought a hobby is what you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you bought a hobby that you either need to bring down the us to look at every service or do it yourself in your driveway. But you need to keep an eye on it. Like, I've had a couple of, because my Jeep's back on the road now. Um, I've had a couple of people ride with me and it's like, what's that noise? Oh, it's just the coilovers doing their thing. Uh, what's the other noise? Oh, that's just the fuel pump because it's got the fuel cell in there and you know, uh, why is it creaking? Uh, I probably need to spray the links again with WD. Unibody is folding in half. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, we don't talk about that. <laughs> Just ignore it, and it's not happening. Yeah, Great. A lot of weird noises. I just tuned them out now. My and my rear shocks. Everybody always bitches at me about them. I literally all I need to do is put a couple washes in there. It's been like that for three years. I What's can't hear speaking? it anymore. The, like the no, the, they noise. rattle. They rattle back and forth, like an eighth of what? an inch. They just go back and forth. It, it no, bugs the shit out of everybody who gets in it, and it used to bug me, but I can't hear it anymore. Just totally tuned out. No, it's you guys are all like... doing it wrong. You need a bigger motor. I know. It takes care of all the noises. <laughs> you, you just did that anything. a year ago. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> or a smaller motor. My my four cylinder is very loud. Sure is. <laughs> smaller exhaust, right? Uh. Yeah, I think I need a smaller exhaust. I don't know. Mine's extremely loud. <laughs> it's not fun to drive. Does it have an exhaust? My Jeep, uh, when I acquired it, I don't want to say I bought it. I definitely acquired it. Um, it had no exhaust on it. It just had a downpipe. Uh, so I had no cat. So I just made a straight exhaust all the way to the back. Not straight, but you know, no, no cat or anything. And I put like a Flowmaster forty sideways back there where the gas tank used to be, and it was so loud that even like when I was like gearing down a hill, like a flame would pop out of it once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> while you're on the so, uh, topic of your Jeep, tell us a little bit about it afterwards. Okay, um, and of course, I, I I drive my son around in it, which at the time was only uh, like two and a half, three. So I could not have it be that loud. So I actually, where the cat used to be, like next to the tea case there, I welded in a cherry bomb. And then 
to like contain the gases inside the cherry bomb. So like the glass would eat up some of the noise. I welded in a couple baffles after it. So there's a cherry bomb, like two really restrictive baffles <laughs> to the point where like, I think it's burning up some valves. <laughs> uh, and then a couple of turns oh, it goes over my four link. And then there's a Flowmaster 40 back there and it's still so loud, but it's all two and a half inch. So I'm going to make it two inch and then I think I'm going to get like a JK muffler and stuff it back there sideways and see if that makes it quieter. And if that doesn't work, we're going to put an LS in it because those are quieter for some reason. Huh. Okay. <laughs> you can have a con- You can stand next to Josh inside the shop. I did it the other day and t- have a conversation with him while his Jeep's running. You can't, you can't do that with mine. It's louder in my Jeep than it is standing like right next to it outside of it. That's kind of crazy. Wild. I wouldn't have expected. I think that. it's just because the muffler, everything's like underneath, and it kind of catches like under the roof and stuff. Yeah, it dumps right behind his seats, and that's when the floor opens up. So it kind of like dumps oh, into a yeah. cave of expensive parts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a dirty, rusty cave of expensive parts. <laughs> True. <laughs> describe a lot of jeeps, but Josh's especially. Yeah. Yeah. So um, tell us, tell us more about your Jeep. What's 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 it got under it? What's it doing? What is it? Uh, I'm not sure what year it is. Uh, <laughs> Off to a good start. It's like a nine. It's a it's like a it's 97 or 98. I don't know. It's one of those two. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a TJ. Was a TJ. Uh, <laughs> uh, and a. Yeah, and it was a customer of mine, a good friend, that it, it had. He had it in high school, and it had a Dana thirty in the front that was like kind of built up. It was, it was sleeved. It was trussed, geared, um, and then the rear was a eight eight. Uh, same thing. The whole Artex swap, all that stuff, promos, everything. And it had like a short arm lift, but it was a Clayton, I think. So it was nice. And um, he had frame swapped it with another frame that was also rotted. (laughs) And then it sat in his driveway. And then I started this business. He was like, ooh, do I have a job for you? (laughs) And he brought that thing down here. I'm like, dude, this thing needs like 40 hours just to get this frame right. It was like rotted. It was crooked. Still is crooked. Uh (laughs) <laughs> and like the body was like smoked and like it didn't run that well and everything and i was like dude just part this out because he had a autocross car and it was like i've been autocrossing with him it was super fun it was making him happy i'm like this thing's a year and like 20 grand worth of your money away from even working so i parted it out for him because at the time i just started the business so i had time on my hands and uh it got down to the body and my Jeep at that point was a trailer rig and uh, I hated it because I just don't like doing that, like driving it every day. Hmm. Not every day, but what you get the point. Um, mm-hmm. And so I always thought like Cherokees were so hard to work with. I wanted a framed vehicle <laughs> and uh, uh, this thing's sitting on my shop floor with a rotted frame. I was like, hey, man, everything's gone except for the body. Uh, What do you want for it? And he just gave it to me. (laughs) (laughs) So I got the body and the frame and the motor and the training. And uh, it only had 120,000 miles on it, um, the four-cylinder. And 
yeah, I just gutted my Cherokee and was like, I'm just going to plaster these one tons under this bad boy and, and go. I started to like fix the frame and there was nothing to even weld to. So I cut right where your the driver's feet are basically under the floor. I cut that off and I started making it out of like two by four um, steel. And I started to put my tank up underneath where like it belongs and it hung way down and my axle was all up in it. <laughs> um so I was like, oh, I'm going to put my gas tank inside in the back behind the back seat. Well, by the time it was there, it took up too much room for me to fit a car seat in front of it for my kids. Uh, so I chopped the body and the frame. Well, there was no frame. I chopped the body. Um, I jigged it up as straight as I could and stretched it six inches, which was exactly what I needed to have my fuel tank, some armor between the fuel tank and then the back seat. And, uh, yeah, I jigged up the body six inches, stretched it, and then I built the frame to the body because I hadn't in- intended on this. I just kept cutting pieces off the frame, so I never, like, kept it square or, like, jigged up the frame <laughs> or anything. <laughs> so it was sitting on my floor with half a frame, and then I decided to stretch the body. So I stretched the body and just built the frame to the body, kind of, like, square-wise. <laughs> Uh, it was a bad plan, bad plan, bad plan, but it worked out well. Once I set up the suspension, I just, my suspension square, uh, just the frame's a little, little wonky, but so yeah, I got my, for those I got myself half, I call it half an LJ because I think an LJ <laughs> was, what is it like 12 or 15 inches or 11 uh, or 10? I think it's 10 inches yeah. longer. So than mine's six ish. Uh, my wheelbase is a little weird, but. Um, so yeah, it's got my, my 79 Dana sixties under it that were in my Cherokee. Cherokee it's a four. Cool. Yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> well, we were talking I, about it a little earlier. It was photogenic. Um, <laughs> the, uh, so it's got, I got a four link in the rear, um, with inch and a quarter Himes. And then it's a three link in the front with like Johnny joints that are like 15 years old. Um, they literally came out of a Jeep. I parted out with my friend like 10 years ago and then I did my one ton swap. So I took the used length and made my three link and that was like eight, nine, 10 years ago. I, I don't know, <laughs> but they're still tight, but I think it's cause they're so bad. <laughs> They've never jiggled, but God, they squeak. <laughs> uh, so that's the front. I have like a surplus Ram, like hydro assist with a tapped box that I bought used off of Josh, which it came off of like a Cherokee buggy. Uh, and <clears throat> I literally like, I think I got it from your house with the Ram and the box and the hoses connected. Yeah, it wasn't even disconnected. And I never disconnected. I literally just like bolted it in my Cherokee, glued it to my axle. <laughs> It worked great, and then when I did the Wrangler, I just, the whole thing, links and everything, just rolled it out from under the Cherokee and rolled it under the Wrangler. <laughs> uh, and it's still rocking. I got a PSC Ram I bought off Josh like like nine months ago, and it's still just sitting out back because, I don't know, this one just works. Um, and I haven't gotten around to installing it. But um, So, yeah, very, super basic steering, um, stock four-cylinder AX5 and a 231. Um, homemade drive shafts. Uh, 
I'm going to mess with my wheelbase soon, so I've been putting off buying real drive shafts, but I'm definitely going to get um, Adam's drive shafts front and rear. Those things are so nice, and we work with them a lot. Um, and my axles, over time, have actually gotten nice parts in them. The gears are 538s, uh, who I bought from the late and great uh, Dan from DMR Off-Road. Mm. He hooked me up big time back then back in the day when he just sold parts um and i geared them and i had welded diffs front and rear um that was awesome for a while but then cora from torque locker hooked it up with uh, a real locker in the rear that was nice because when i first built my wrangler there's a few pictures of it out there where like i'd be driving down the street and i would go around a turn and the whole body would just fold over like mirror touching the ground uh it was because my diff was welded um <laughs> Huh. So no, I had a lot yeah, of about right. And then it's funny. I was like delusional. Uh, when I got the locker from her, I'm like, Oh yeah, of course I have 35 spine rear shafts. Like I thought I remembered like we were talking about 10 years earlier. I thought I remembered my rear axle being a van axle, which was 35 spine. I don't know. I was remembering yeah. things because i was i was like put the 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 torque locker in super easy install i'm like oh man this is going so good like my welded spider gears came out no problem well with the torch but they came out uh <laughs> and i went to go slide the shaft in and i'm like it just goes <laughs> like, uh, uh what and i had 30 spline axle shafts in the rear in that cherokee the whole time i owned it apparently wow. yeah so of course it's two days before a wheeling trip so then I nitro gear overnighted me some shafts for like it was like under 400 bucks for chromoly shafts so that's how i ended God up with chromoly, yeah so that's how i ended up with chromoly rear axle shafts <laughs> <laughs> and uh the fronts uh did gm brakes or josh did the gm brakes for me recently um instead of the stupid ford sliding caliper thing um and then I just have like one high steer arm. It's not tied in or anything. It's just four bolts, uh, normal tie rod, and gears and a welded diff, stock shafts, uh, and cheap G2 locking hubs that are still holding up. Um, but yeah, that, that's about it. It's a stock four-cylinder TJ sitting on top of some one tons. Four-cylinder? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah she's a four-cylinder. <laughs> And I recently got 37s. I know I mentioned that earlier, yeah. but I had 30. I built it around 35s because I thought I hated the trailer thing so much. I was like, no, this thing needs to drive awesome on the street. And I thought I was like, you know, if I'm going to run beadlocks, I'm going to have to have 35s. Like if, you know, to have it like go straight down the road and like not be ridiculous. Um, I don't know why I was so dead set on that. I, maybe it was a little influence from having a four cylinder. I was like, yeah, 35s are great. Mm. But, uh, you know, if you look at pictures of my Jeep, you know, prior, it looks pretty silly with the one tons hanging way out and little 35s, my diff four inches off the ground. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I finally got some 37s and it actually drives exactly the same on the road. So I've been missing out for a few years here. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a bummer, but you got the 37s now and, uh, you know, that'll, that'll get me, I keep calling it a trail Jeep, you know, it, I like driving on the street a lot, but I want to be able to do like whatever trail I want, you know, within reason. And, uh, I think the 37s kind of are going to make that possible. It even kind of looks silly now 
to be honest. It probably needs 40s, but I don't have the motor for that. So motor first, then maybe 40s. But for now, the four-cylinder and the 37s are pretty cool. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I'm I'm changing all, all my front suspension up and my tire size now, but I really loved the way mine drove with the the one tons and the 37s. I mean, I I daily drove the thing less so now because it's always a part, but uh, you know, for three years on the 37s and the one tons, it just it drove like a dream. Way better than it did with the stock axles. Probably because I just had them set up on the stock axles really badly, but when I actually did the one ton setup, it was it drove nice, it steered nice, everything was really nice about it. And then I I sort of messed it up with my um, all the doubler crap I've been putting into it. It just it's just not built to do that really. And the EcoBox has been good, but it's not as nice as it's not as simple, right? The 205 EcoBox stuff, all that crap just adds complexity and more places for it to mess up when you're going 60, 70 on the highway. So uh, it's been a, it's been interesting, but I, I loved the 37s and the one tons. That's uh, you know, it just worked well and it does okay off-road. You don't hang up too, too much once you learn where the diff is. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of a, I mean, you didn't really make the point, I guess, but you did say it, but getting something that works really well off-road to drive well on the road and like last like road miles beat the crap out of stuff yep and like a clapped out cherokee will do fine in the woods for a very long time but it's just it's not without a lot of really good equipment to be able to like beat it up in the woods and still have a drive good on the street is like a big that's a big challenge uh, with any next vehicle, just, you know. Next time, just call me out, Jesus, man, God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was pretty cool. The last, I don't know. The last time we went to Mabel, or not the last time, the one before that, or something. Oh, no, I was being kind of naughty the last. Uh, yeah. Okay. Anyways, um, no, I was gonna say the last time we went there, I didn't have my son with me, so I did some more ridiculous things, but. Actually, the last time we went out, I did have my son with me. And Still did the ridiculous kind of, things. Well, I had the I had the rugged radio uh, headsets on, so I could mm. talk to my son, which it makes it super fun. But um, I think it like gave me a, I like wasn't percepting my engine, and like you don't realize how much you listen to your vehicle until you can't hear it. Mm. <laughs> and like I accidentally like lifted the front wheels up a silly ledge that I probably could have just like drove over. <laughs> but I, I was like i like hit it and then i like hit it harder because i thought i was slipping or something uh but in reality my jeep was probably just like idling up it and i like, couldn't hear it so i fucking hammered it uh, you're just you're just building core memories for him you know don't worry yeah, yeah his, his neck hurt the next day but anyways uh but the point being it was it's cool to like and even especially with my son with me of course you know i keep this in mind too with like the way I drive and like also the parts I put in and how I put them in it. Um, it's cool to do that and then just be able to like unlock the hubs and drive home with my son and like feel okay about it and have it drive pinned straight down the road, which it did. Yeah. Um, even though it was a short little silly Ma Bell run, only a couple of small things, but still with a Cherokee, like no matter how 
little you beat it, you're still like, oh, all right, is everything still down there? You know, <laughs> that is that is actually my same my mindset every time I go. Like I drive it somewhere to wheel. Like yes, I can use a trailer and trailer it there, but that's half the fun is driving it. And I don't care if it literally splits in half on trail. But every single time, I'm like, fuck, I have to drive an hour home on like a two lane highway going 50 miles an hour. Yes, it can do it. But did I snap a steering box bolt and didn't realize it? Did I lose it like a control, like a, or a cross member bolt or something? And then next second I'm upside down in the other lane and kill the whole family. So you're, you're totally right. That's every single time I wheel, I have to cut like second guess myself, do a quick bolt check and then just run it at 10 PSI home. And it's yeah. been a long, it's been a long time since I really had anything fail or even like remotely go wrong. Uh, just cause I drive so sparingly. Um, but like, I think my Jeep has a lot of, uh, heim joints on it. Like my whole steering, my track bar, everything's heim joints, my whole rear suspension. So like if something's wrong, you know, immediately, like you can feel the difference. Like, nope, yeah. something's loose. We got to find it. It's, it's pretty obvious with a heim joint, it's either loose or it's tight, <laughs> you know? And I like, that's a, I think that's a big part of it. Um, just as someone that has put a lot of road miles on ridiculous parts that probably shouldn't be on the road. <laughs> uh, I think some of the best memories of my rig would be like driving it all the way from the bottom of, or not bottom, but like Connecticut up to Mabel on the highway, <laughs> wheeling it, driving it back. But I've had some weird fucking breakdowns that have never been suspension, like <laughs> melting a torque converter. <laughs> oh God. Uh, uh, every motor ever on the thing, but that's usually close have you ever, to home. Have you ever considered a Toyota? <laughs> oh no! Uh, actually, yes. Uh, it no. has been considered because I've seen a couple of cool buggies down here that I would be interested in. Um, I was just saying that because, like, you know, if uh, if Advil doesn't work for you, try Tylenol. You know. <laughs> if the old if the old four liter is failing on you which it it's not that's not real uh maybe you should try a toyota you know? a little 22 hour reaction see if that's any better uh, yeah uh, just thinking. anything that doesn't have the mopar logo on it you know uh, yeah i guess but like i love <laughs> that jeep so it was honestly no, we, we were fine. just we were just talking uh, about how uh, you can take the you know, suspension out of your XJ and put it in a TJ. You could probably take the suspension out of your XJ and put it in a Toyota. Yeah, but it sounds like, like you can't get the XJ out of him. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm bad about that. So then, do we follow Josh's advice and just LS it and call it a day? Yeah, it'll end up like um, uh, Nick LeBlanc, where he puts that junkyard motor in, thinking it's fine, and then it blows up, and now he's out. How much? Hey, there's nothing wrong with junkyard motors. Take it easy. Hey, we all have until it blows up, and you got to take it out again. (laughs) Hate doing that. I mean, but I'm on four liter number four, so yeah, but four liters are easy swaps. Like you drain the oil out and then go wheel. (laughs) Uh, No, No, I buy two hundred fifty thousand mile motors that have probably sat for ten years. Then I fill them with oil and go run them on rev limiter for. Till they break. I see nothing wrong with that equation except for the end. I, it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> um, Cody and Richie, especially because I've been there for watching me swap them, can attest that that's what happens, and the failures are generally spectacular. Are you I... using your? The problem is, is you're using ninety nine to O twos. You got to use before that. 
You got to use like a 94. That's that's Jesus made that motor. I think the last <laughs> one was a 96, wasn't it? And it still blew up. It uh, no, you didn't blow up yeah. a 96. You yeah. stop that. No, I like and one that one was the worst. That one split the crank, took out the cam, and uh, what else was there? Number five was sitting in the pan and. Of a 96? Someone lied to you. No, no, no. That was an 06. No, somebody lied. A 96 didn't do that. No, I pulled that motor. I think my 4.0 probably went through, I don't know, the most hell that I've ever seen. Yeah. I scrapped it two weeks ago. It was still running. I I don't know. I felt bad throwing it away. Cam ran through like 30 bottles of nitrous through his, and he sold it running. Every day. It's in Greg... Gregory Stein's yeah, it's still running yeah. in, in another Cherokee yeah. uh, buggy. See like now, four liter. I have an 01 motor. Mine's knocking like a Jehovah's Witness, and it's still going two years later. Yeah, it's it's supposed to. When I first got into like Jeep, even before I worked at the dealership, when I was a cook, I used to be a cook for ten years, and I got into when I first got into jeeping, like wrenching on stuff. We would buy me and my friend Mike would buy oh two thousand to whatever o2 cherokees and all of them would have broken wrist pins in the piston the ears would break off the bottom of the piston and the the fucking connecting rod was just in the cylinder having a good time uh every one of them and then we would just buy a 97 or a 93 i think yeah 93 to to 97 we would just buy those because they were all rotted out swap the motor and, and make three or four grand profit on it it was great and it took one day um so yeah 98 and a half to 02 is uh you just just uh you know paint the side of your block white because it's going to be a painting eventually (laughs) (laughs) yeah you ain't wrong Um, about that no i just think it's from the like the motors that i bought have just been sitting for so long or i never take them apart and like tear them down uh I just slap them in and go. And I think some. Sure I think. Oh, sorry. I think s- something that helps the older motors stay together is if you get the newer motors have a cradle that connects like the uh, the crank caps. Girdle. Girdle. Um, <laughs> if you get one of those and put it on an older motor, like kind of like bomb proofs any movement going. I did not that. know that. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's fucking cool. Shove into the crank. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think just like the design of the block was a little weaker, and it had more deflection in the later years um, than the earlier years. So they put that in there to like get it within spec. And uh, if you put it on the older ones, it kind of just, you know, really stops anything from moving around down there. And it it helps protect your uh, <clears throat> your crank for when your poorly designed track bar goes through your oil pan. <laughs> we've all done. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I probably have no idea how many times I've done it. Oh my god! I used it used to be a regular thing. I would like it would like dent in a certain way where if I whacked the side of the dent, the dent would pop, and my motor would stop <laughs> knocking. <laughs> uh, remember the morning in San Slay ride? You met me in that parking yeah. lot, and my motor was going whack 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 whack. It was because yeah. I jumped it the night before. <laughs> I do remember that. I think the first time I ever saw that was Colin Bates over at Harris Mountain launched his shit. And then all of a sudden, it just started knocking. And this is when I was still new into wheeling. I was like, "What the fuck's going on with it?" And it was the same thing. He blew the um, the track bar right into the oil pan. It was just smack at the bottom of the oil pan. Yeah, it's fine. Funny. He fixed it the same I way. I think I have the best. The I think I've got the best track bar 
oil pan collision uh, story. We did a it was a 125 mile long race at uh, the Renegades on the Ridge Race, and on lap three, I hit the big jump and hit it too fast, and the track bar hit the hit the oil pan, and motor started making noise. So lap three was uh, roughly 35 miles. So I had 90 miles to go. And I'm like, well, oh, man. I'm not stopping for this. So here we go. So every lap, I would re-whack the engine with the track bar probably twice because there was two, the jump I would hit, and then there was a big hole like on this straightaway or whatever. And I don't know. I hit it a few times, and it made really bad noises. But... I ran 90 miles on the rev limiter most of the time with the engine overheating most of the time um, and finished the race. And it just kept banging the dent back out of the oil pan. Yeah. <laughs> Once I finally took it apart, the girdle uh, was broken uh, from whacking the connecting rod. And the connecting rod had like, well, you could measure it with a tape measure, how much was missing off of it compared to the one next to it. <laughs> and all I did was I took the girdle out, I, I cut the broken piece off, I flipped it around, put the girdle back up to the front so it was missing the uh, the rear section. And... on Onward. On she went. <laughs> <laughs> I used to do that quite a bit until I, I realized that the, uh, the motor mount bushings were blown right out of it. So I would jump it, the bump stops would hit and everything would stop, and then the engine would continue to go down and uh that always cause a car accident under there (laughs) (laughs) so i've yet to actually see a cherokee fly do they fly pretty even or does it matter based off throttle or anything uh i mean there's a lot of factors (laughs) (laughs) who made the jump (laughs) well because like i've jumped razors and shit and they always nosedive every fucking time i've ever jumped a razor or anything of that so i'm just thinking in the sense of that it's all suspension that's all on how the suspension is set up they all they they like donkey kick because there's a lot of preload in the rear Mm -hmm. you have to slow the preload down so when you come off the jump the rear doesn't unload so fast Okay. It's just it's just kind of how they set them up from the factory, uh, but I mean, jumping any kind of truck or car, or jeep or anything like that has a there's a there's a lot of factors. But I've kind of uh, molded my jeep around trying to make it fly. So it flies pretty good. It lands pretty good too. <laughs> it it does. I've I've flown it a few times and I regretted flying it, but <laughs> in the early days, yeah. now it's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> I hit plenty of jumps that were a lot of fun. So now, is there any specific racetrack that you love, and then is there any that you hate? Um, racing at Rouch Creek sucks. <laughs> You're literally running over uh, basketballs and volleyballs and. And you know, hitting huge mud holes and stuff like that. All mud, not it's, even just mud. It's all mud. Rough. Yeah, it's you know, you're just constantly running over. You know, it, I mean, you guys have all been a Roush. It's you're on green and blues, and you're going as fast as you can. Uh, you know, so it's it, it's brutal. You know, it's definitely it's definitely very rough. It was um, fun as shit. It's it's fun. But, it's always fun in the end, but. You know, you're going over stuff, and you're like, "Oh my god, my tits are hitting my face." <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but uh, I, I really like uh, famous Redding uh, in Pennsylvania. It's really fast. It's really wide open. Uh, it's just a nice place. Uh, I've raced there twice. That was what we did last year, the dark water race. And then, like, whatever, two or three years ago, we did the, the long one. It was the Renegades on the Ridge, which was 125 miles long. Uh, wow. Sounds like a good time. Uh, yeah, it definitely is. It's, it's more exciting than uh, following a bunch of Jeeps through the woods <laughs> and getting stuck every 20 feet or whatever, you know. Yeah, it's more of a social event at that point. You might as well just go out for coffee and save the money and gas. Yeah, for sure. Sometimes. Sometimes, for sure. Mm. You know, it's always good trying really hard stuff and, uh, you know, doing trail riding and stuff. But <clears throat> I grew up going fast or trying to go as fast as I can on dirt bikes and quads and snowmobiles and power wheels and all that stuff. <laughs> so, I don't know, driving my Jeep as fast as I can is just kind of second nature. So, well, what keeps you running the Jeep then instead of transitioning over to a full <laughs> race rig then? Because it seems like your 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 mindset, your your drive to keep going is there, and but then the rig's holding you back. What's the what's stopping? He's waiting for a raise. <laughs> uh, there's, there's two there's two answers to that question uh, i will admit it it's my wife and my wallet <laughs> uh, now nah, sarah loves the jeep and i would there's been many times where i'm like i'm cutting the whole roof right off of this thing and making it not look like a jeep anymore and she always pulls the saws all out of my hand <laughs> you gotta keep it like cherokee um and i don't know at this point i've had the thing for 12 years or so and i've raced it a bunch and wheeled it a lot and i don't know to get rid of it would be kind of like losing a little part of me i guess i i do want um a chassis or i do want to build one uh but you know time and money and life and there's a lot of factors that go into that it is it is always going to be his trail jeep i think because of sarah uh, yeah, you know she's got some. She's got a line in the sand, and she's not going to cross it. At but... worst case, it will be it will be rotting in the front yard with a bunch of flowers in it. <laughs> he'll be, he'll be in a chassis eventually. I th I think it'll be interesting to see how the next like two years go with John in the Miller chassis and racing, and us as you know, I guess quote unquote a team. Um, I think you'll see if that starts going really well. You'll see Josh in a chassis sooner than later. It's, you know. Yeah, it's it, it's a it's a whole it's a whole life trying to race like that. There's more things involved than just uh, the parts. Yeah, <laughs> it's understandable. Yeah. So I, I listened to uh sorry, cut you off, Cody. No, I you're good. No, yeah, you're good. Twenty three or twenty four or whatever podcast you guys were talking about the whole twenty twenty koh and uh, I thought it was hilarious the whole you know running for parts and you ended up grabbing a like a the tools for a Dana 30 uh, axle shaft instead of the 60 or the 44 oh, or whatever. It was yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, that's, that's kind of like, like that's half the that's stuff you don't even see, right. Is the, you know, how many parts do you need to have? How many buckets of, of things do you tools and parts and everything else you need to support that thing. And the relay could be what goes and you don't have a relay. Cause who, who the fuck thinks they, I mean, obviously you should have one, Dude, that, but like, my, it's just stupid that, shit that goes. 
that trip was so eye-opening to me in so different ways. It was uh, super fun to listen to. That was yeah, favorite. man. It I was to a bunch today. It just it goes to show you how sick people are that actually race. Yeah, like, like, like John. My image as a mechanic, as a business owner, as a dad that has no spare time. If I'm going to California, right, you know, and I've been going to California racing, you know, I love John. Yeah, that was John's. But, but I'm going to but I'm gonna be knocking him right now. <laughs> uh, you know, but, and I didn't know John that well or anything. I just knew he'd been racing King of the Hammers. He didn't have a lot of help that year. And I was like, well, you know, yeah, okay. I can take a Jeep apart with, you know, one hand tied behind my back. Put it right the other. Great. I, I'll be a great addition. I'll bring on my cameras. I'll take videos. It'll be so fun. And then <laughs> we get there and like, yeah, that's not the case. Like race car drivers are fucking sick in the head, dude. It's like, <laughs> like, no, man, I just want to race. <laughs> like you're looking at the Jeep and there's so many things I have a problem with as like a mechanic wiring, things like that. And he, he just shrugs off. He's like, Hey man, it works. We're going racing. <laughs> like, like, race car drivers are sick, man, from, from any level. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I thought I was just going there for like a, a dream come true vacation trip like oh my god i get to help my buddies on a little bit go to koh finally bring my cameras yeah i thought the same thing yeah now man his axle shaft broke and i'm like <clears throat> looking for a 36 mil socket <laughs> and, uh, needle nose pliers no man no it's got a fucking 44 of fucking spindle bearings and rcvs in it dummy dude i had no clue i'm just like oh this is the race program i'm here something breaks someone will call me no bitch no now i ain't going back out there unless i get a month alone with that thing <laughs> but yeah that that was a that was a that was a crazy crazy time and uh it's, it's going to change because that Miller chassis ain't going together like that. It's going to be going to be a work of art. Yeah. Everything Until we get to the lake bed and we have to tear the whole thing apart. <laughs> well, it's, that's how it goes, right? That year we got to the lake bed and on the way there, John was in the back of the toter home while we were driving down the highway, taking the valve cover off because he's like, I think there's something wrong with the motor. <laughs> And I'm like, John, we're in like Oklahoma. Do you think there's something wrong with the motor? Come on. We've got to go race 125 miles through the gnarliest stuff out there. And do you think the motor's got a problem? Well, luckily, we had a spare one in my trailer. <laughs> it went in. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. So that was a very interesting two weeks of my life. That's for sure. Yeah, the next time we go out there will be very different. Yeah, very different. And then that was kind of like that. That's what sparked my like. All right, well, <laughs> we got somebody willing to like do the race program. He needs more people. He needs people like me that like can work on things and help him and just be a helping hand and be reliable. And you know, Josh as a co-driver, who's you know, Josh, he brings a ton of things to the table for that. Like he's gonna have a serious race car. He's going to need people like that. And that's kind of what we got us talking about, like, you know, having a real, you know, race program team eventually. And, uh, you know, hopefully Falcon gets their life together and we, uh, we do that. Well, we're going to do it with or without, without them, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, hopefully it's something formal eventually right now. Attack Shack racing and Greenleaf motorsports. 
Hmm. Sitting in a tree. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you come Uh, up with the name Built for the East? I know it sounds pretty straightforward, but... So back to those my crazy business rant earlier. Um, that was back when you know when I decided to go from side work to I'm quitting my job. Um, you know I had to get like a tax ID number and stuff, and like you know do things like that, and like start an Instagram. You know it's 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 the late 2020s. You gotta have an Instagram, right? Yeah. So I had to come up with a name and with the vehicles i had in mind again like off-road fleet vehicles in the northeast I'm like oh built for the east oh that's what that's me man that's what i need and uh i went typed it in the instagram I'm like that's too long well built east it is and uh <laughs> now 90 percent of the people are like oh yeah built east like like professionals like vendors i'm speaking to on the phone i'm like no man it's built for the east llc like you have my info. <laughs> it says it on my credit card, man. <laughs> but yeah, Built East is good enough. But that, that's where the Built for the East, I just kind of thought of, you know, uh, all of our vehicles are very different than vehicles out in the desert. And, uh, you know, have any of you guys been out west at all? No, no, Not I have. Well, Luke has. Luke has. Yeah, Dude, it's it, time in El Paso, but not. But like, as far as like the off road world goes, like, People, dude, when we were at KOH, oh my god, I'm a pinball machine. I'm sorry, but oh, you're great. I, I, was, going. <laughs> I was borrowing Josh's Jeep to go to the cell phone bush. Um, I'm, I'm big the, on the dad, cell phone dad, bush, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm big on dad life. So, I'll tell that story. Yeah. I had a two year old at home and I, and I wanted to touch base with him a lot and whatever, so I had to call him. But yep. about what'd you say? It's two, three miles from Hammertown. Maybe two. From where we were, it was yeah. probably two miles. From the pits. It's like two miles out in the desert. No service anywhere. Nothing. You get to this bush within like 100 feet of it, and all of a sudden your phone goes up to like three bars. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyways, point being, I'm driving Josh's Jeep by myself. And the people from the West Coast, dude, they look at his Jeep like, like you got a van full of kids and you're they're screaming and you're driving down the road like saying don't look at me don't look at me it looks like he killed a bunch of people with his vehicle in accidents and like there's rust like they're the the sheet metal is just totally fucked from top to bottom the roof has fucking dents in it every a b c and d pillar is just totally wrinkled into a raisin and people from the west coast and the desert are like they got like full-bodied vehicles with roll cages with no paint on them and they're looking at Josh is like, what the fuck happened? Someone actually said, what happened to that? <laughs> someone at like the Mickey, whoever was across from us, like Mickey Thompson or something, it was yeah. someone over there. Like, what happened? I think I'm like, what are you talking about, man? You gotta remember, it, was, it was my rig and then Spider Pig, Chris Bradley's old rig, parked like right in front of our spot. And John's. I mean, John's pretty yeah. fucked up too. John's raised. <laughs> you know? He's pretty raised up. So it's just, you know, there's off-roading here is very different than anywhere else and that was kind of what i was thinking uh when i came up with that name to answer your question in a short eight minute rant <laughs> oh hey that, that was exactly what i was work, looking for so that's perfect <laughs> so i have this question that i always ask uh almost every episode and i'd love to hear your guys's take on it what is the worst tire and what is your favorite tire hmm. 
We'll let Josh go first. Not not oh, DOT oh though. Like cannot or not, I mean, it has to be a DOT. Not DOT. Part of me. Shit, that's easy. No, 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 because everybody's gonna be like. No, no stickies. No yeah, stickies. he messed that up. Oh, oh no stickies? Yeah, no, no stickies. That's sorry. Boring. Yeah, but every I don't know. The There's a bunch of good ones. You're, no way. You're, <laughs> I meant that. Dude, you're crazy. We, we already I talked meant, with Bob about that. Yeah, we, I meant it facetiously. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, there's two different stickies. That's it, and they're for two different uses. What? That's it. There's traps and red labels. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And both of them have different jobs, and they're the best at it. That's the end of the conversation. I don't want to hear anything else. The reason my favorite tire is the KRTB. Brand new ones, though. They got to be brand new. Okay. Otherwise, they're junk. Yeah. The reason why I go with non uh, sticky tires is just there's more of a like variance between the tires, so like you can actually kind of. Talk about it where like stickies, there's a big difference. Well, they all, they the, all DOTs, have the same. It's very apparent when they suck more than the other pair because they don't have that yeah. sticky compound, right? I think so. it's kind of like on the, I think it's on like the same comparison level though, you know, like stickies all do what they do. And, mm-hmm. you know, th- there are very large differences. You know, some people are like, well, you got stickies, it doesn't matter. But, man, I've run KRTBs, KR2s, traps. Black labels, red labels, blue labels. I've had blue labels. <laughs> I've had SXs, not stickies, but regular ones. Um, you know, and you can tell, you know, like night and day. There's even different. there's even different parts of the trail you can be on and see that like someone with a, a red label and someone with a sticky SX, like even on the same trail, like at Field and Forest, where there's different parts of trails. Yeah. Uh, you know, one person might do really well on a certain part of that trail because of their tire, and then the other one will the other one will do well um, in a different section. You know, well, and a lot of times people are like, "Oh, it's tire. You got traps. The things suck." But like, rigs take you know the way that the rig is set up and built and driver and all that comes into play. But you know, when you take the same vehicle and you change different tires, you know, and you can. You know, and I've even seen a difference between old stickies of one type. Like a, I had, I ran two different sets of KR2s at one point, and I had an older set originally, and those like were not that good at all. I was like, "What is going on with these things?" And then I thought that they were not stickies. Um, I was kind of unsure, and then I got rid of them, and then I borrowed a set from a friend that were like pretty fresh. They didn't have a lot of runtime on them, but they were worn, and they were like worn well in the first few times that they were used. And I was like, "What the hell? These things are, you know, it was a totally different experience." Um, hmm. You know, so a- you know, age on a sticky plays a big part in it too. Have you guys talked to uh, Ricky yet from Barrett Fabrication, or we have no, say it off road? I guess tried to set something up, but he's always been busy. He's a busy man. But if you ever do talk to him, ask him about that because him and Eugene swapped their tires one day uh, at Field and Ford. Was it Eugene? Yeah. So he put the BFGs. Rob, Lacoste, and Eugene swapped. Oh, that's what it was. Dexes and Reds, the 42s. Yeah. So, well, well, talk, talk to Rob or Eugene. You're going to get either of them on here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, never mind. Sorry. Rednecks. Anyways. Um, I guess, so for a DOT tire, you're asking the wrong guy. I do this. I, I literally answer this question like three times a week. Uh, that depends what you're trying to do. 
Are you talking about like for on wheeling. my vehicle? For wheeling. Okay. Specific, like uh, rock crawling specifically. For wheeling. So I would say uh, off road, Nitto is going to be number one for sure. Um, You're going to get just, there's no, uh, there's really no argument. <laughs> Anyways, uh, and then Falcon, I would say number two. Not durability wise, I think the design of the Nitto, especially off road, is way more aggressive, like way more aggressive. And uh, at this point, I would say it's just more proven, to be honest with you. Um, just Falcon doesn't have the uh, the portfolio that Nitto does of throwing DOT tires at uh, mountains at 100 miles an hour and not failing. Mm-hmm. Um, they're working there. We're working on it. We're putting our team together here. Actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be a good test group. But in the, in the, you can't... You, if you're talking about a DOT tire off-road, I mean... There's literally nothing can hold a candle to a Nitto, right? I mean, mm, trying to think. A lot of people rant and rave about the Max's razors. I'm gonna try them. I, yeah. I have a set that I've yet to use, but we'll see. I only yeah, have I've the, heard man, I only have those treps that you you have now to compare them to, which isn't a really great comparison because it's probably a pretty similar compound. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, I know I'm Mike Craig raved about those man. things, so. Yeah, Mike is a he's a big he's a big lover, I guess you could say. He's had a few sets, mm-hmm. but I mean they do seem to do pretty well. So, I mean there is that. He's done a bunch of good stuff uh, on them. Yeah, um, I think that my Trep radials would probably be my favorite tire off road, but the Nittos, they're just fucking bombproof. Like my Jeep landed basically on the tire enough to bend the rim, and there's just a small chunk missing from the sidewall. It like knocked the tire clean off, bent the rim, um, ripped out suspension components. It was a bad day, but the tire was fine. Took care. I, I, I'm hoping to eventually have some stories like that with Josh and us with Falcons, but. As of right now, I don't have stories like that, so that's why Nitto wins uh, in that department. But if you're talking about hopping up on the road after off-roading, I mean, then you start getting into two, three other tires. You know, mm-hmm. it's totally different. <laughs> and I the worst, like my Nittos on the road, they're not bad at all. Uh, when you consider you're talking about a 40, you know, throw 25 psi in them, and they'll do 85 down the highway with two fingers on the steering wheel. Yep, they sure will, even on beadlocks. In the worst tire, would you say? <laughs> uh, Patagonia. For off-roading? Yeah, anything with a thin sidewall. You got a pen and a paper? Uh, <laughs> Unlop mates one. I've seen that popped a few times. Uh, yeah, the Patagonias, the Turos, the Nexton or Nixon, N-E-X-E-N. I've, Nixon. Yeah, those sidewalls suck. Uh Anything with a thin sidewall, really. <laughs> if you're talking about traction, I don't know. They all suck, except for the Nitto and the Trep, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's a, a DOT, a flat DOT mud terrain in the woods. Uh, they're all going to be pretty similar, uh, to be honest with you. You know? So, be an adult and buy beadlocks. All right. Well, how about we're sticky? <laughs> we're sticky. <laughs> yeah, the right. worst sticky would yeah, be... It, that, this, it gets into opinion and driving style, like 
Josh mentioned. I don't think so. I've, really? I've seen the creepy crawlers suck pretty bad. Unless it was like a creepy crawler <laughs> okay. on the trail. Those aren't generally sticky, though. They had them, though. There are, there are a few... There are limited runs of the creepy stickies, but like I had a set of creepies way back in the day, and they were, uh, they were so so. Yeah, I, I mean, if they were good, they'd be around. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's Harry not. I mean, uh, stickies are pretty awesome. Harry ran them for a while, but they were just regular. Yeah. Uh, just regular creepies. He had thirty sevens. I had thirty sevens. You know, they did their job, but they're nothing. I had a set of thirty eight inch five. SXs beforehand, and I think the SXs were better. Um, but you know, whatever. I would just like to try different tires. It sounds like we're too optimistic. We just keep bringing up good tires. The new, uh, the Mickey Thompson was it the Trail Boss? The Baja. Uh, I've heard some good things about that one being a sticky. Um, Are you talking about the one that looks like an SX and a Bogger got left alone? No, no, no. I'm talking about the one that's more of like a Cooper STT tread pattern. Yeah. Yeah, I want to try a set of those in a sticky. Yeah, last time we checked, they were like $4.90 a piece, which is not bad. They Uh, were definitely reasonable. Yeah, and uh, they were actually in stock at the time when we looked, or there was like three of them in stock, which there was no other ones. Um, Damn. But... Yeah, man, I, I don't know. Uh, sure. I don't know. Stickies are awesome. What you, why are you being so negative? Asking about what the worst one is. Well, you know, <laughs> down, I think the worst one is the Milestar. The Milestar is pretty bad. It's pretty pretty bad. So it's, it's very a, bad. It's a, like a water balloon with thick rubber on top. It's a water balloon with a mullet. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Last question before we start wrapping this up. Give me a random weird fact that you know off the top of your head. And it usually we go for raccoon fact, but I know you like your conspiracy theories every once in a while. So give oh, me geez. just a random fact. Oh, you can't put me in the spot like that. Oh, you got this. Come on, just pull guide from me it. a little. Gotta guide me. Oh, Josh, guided. you go first. Huh? Me? Random weird fact. <laughs> yeah. Random uh, Oh my god! Yeah, I got too many, man. I, <laughs> I right, I'll, I'll start. Weird facts. I'll start this one. Do you know where oh. the raise raise a toast came from? Ancient Romans, oh. they used to drop a piece of toast into their wine for good health. So they used to say raise a toast. Kind of fucking weird. <laughs> Had no idea. That's interesting. <laughs> I was just I was listening to to a. Uh, a scientist talk about uh the um one of the aztec mummies that they found or not aztec the mayan mum no aztec which one's the one they actually found aztecs i believe yeah anyways they found cocaine in its hair <laughs> and uh and uh but they didn't find it in its dna so it just means that whoever was embalming it was doing blow <laughs> like chewing on a cocoa leaf or something and like it's like spit up cocoa chewed cocoa leaves or i don't know <laughs> but they said scary. it was a- tested positive for actual cocaine not just cocoa leaves that was like some form of ancient processed co- cocaine so <laughs> but i mean hey if i was wrapping up bodies you know i'd be a little banged up too yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh yeah, Thank sure. You. That's that's that was perfect. Random cocaine fact for you. <laughs> <Yes. there. laughs> 
<laughs> that was absolutely perfect. And I uh, just wanted to say thank you, both of you guys, for coming on. You've been absolutely fucking fantastic. Where can people find you on social media? Josh? Oh, uh, all over, I guess. Uh, just uh, Josh Greenleaf on Facebook or... Uh... You can check out the uh, Greenleaf Motorsport page on Instagram. That's it's pretty active. You can thank my wife for that. <laughs> and me. And me. Yeah, you, you guys. <laughs> I tag it and everything he does here. I try to. Um, I'm terrible at social media. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just Bill East everywhere. BillEast.com. Bill East on Facebook. Bill East on Instagram. Uh, don't go listen to my podcast because it's been, I think, a year since I've made one. So Dude, give me you some gotta- time. You got to get back into it. Your podcasts are fucking oh, phenomenal. Yeah. They are absolutely I know. Incredible. I know. You got well, listen, dude. And I, I got to get I was you skeptical. guys. It was like, you know, some of those 20 minute ones. I was like, uh oh, like, what is going on here? Oh, yeah. And then those are I, more. I, I do those just to do them because it's fun, but it's like, it's so much better. No, but even those, people. like, I don't know. I just threw them on. And like, like I said, I was listening to a bunch of them all day and they kept me entertained. Yeah, they're- they're good to do once in a while, but after a while, it's like, oh, this is what we're doing in the shop. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're going wheeling, and we went wheeling, and yeah, all right, talk to you next time. <laughs> it's cool insight, um, honestly. Like, yeah, it is cool to know what's going on here besides just pictures. Um, yeah. And that's something I, unfortunately, it falls behind, you know, when it comes to like day-to-day stuff, building things, answering the phone, customers, emails, all that stuff. Well, podcasts are fun, and, and those get pushed right to the back. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, we're so busy that you know like i said it's been like two a year for the past two years so i want to get back into it but i gotta give it to you guys dude it takes dedication man and to do it regularly that's uh that's as adults that's extremely hard to do uh and to coordinate and i give it to you guys it takes a lot of dedication i mean it seems like a lot of fun to people but and like it's a party but that's a lot of work and then yeah. get them and they get them out and the you know, just being consistent, it's really, it's really hard and you got to be dedicated to it. And I'm dedicated to my business. Unfortunately, not my podcast. I would like to do it more, but, uh, but yeah, I just wanted to say that it's, uh, that's the reason you don't see more of my podcast because it takes dedication. I'm stoked you guys are doing it. Well, we appreciate last. Oh, has it? Uh huh. <laughs> no, go fuck yourself, Cody. Uh, no, it's been a blast doing it though. And it's really fun to talk with people. Um, especially like we try and cover a really wide scope so it's cool to talk with like people like yourselves that are business owners or people that are building some of the coolest buggies or like sam with his full-size jeep stuff it's just weird all right let's uh let's figure this one out here um you know, make Lord, sure to thank uh, you for this food. <laughs> make sure to have a clue as to what you're buying before you go and call up the off-road shop saying that you want it. And uh, you know, WD40 does wonders for Himes. <laughs>